This is the LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Community Podcast. On this edition, a review of recent news stories as reported by the editors of LexisNexis Mealy's Current and Targeted Legal News and Litigation Reports. The European Medicines Agency on September 23rd recommended that the marketing authorization for GlaxoSmithKline's controversial anti-diabetes drug Avandia be suspended. And the Food and Drug Administration simultaneously said it will significantly restrict Avandia use in response to data suggesting the drug carries an elevated risk of cardiovascular events such as heart attack and stroke. More from LexisNexis Mealy's Emerging Drugs and Devices editor, Tom Moylan. The FDA said it will require GSK to develop a restricted access program for Avandia under a risk evaluation and mitigation strategy. Under that strategy, Avandia will be available to new patients only if they are unable to achieve glucose control on other medications and are unable to take Actos, the only other drug in that class. The FDA said current users of Avandia who are benefiting from the drug will be able to continue using it if they choose to do so. Under the new restrictions, the FDA said doctors will have to attest to and document their patient's eligibility to take Avandia. Patients will also have to review statements describing the cardiovascular safety concerns associated with the drug and acknowledge that they understand the risks. Also on September 23rd, the FDA ordered GSK to convene an independent group of scientists to review key aspects of a clinical trial that was ordered by European regulators several years ago to study the cardiovascular safety of Avandia compared to standard diabetes drugs. The FDA said that during its review of the study, important questions arose about the potential bias in the identification of cardiovascular events. The European Medicines Agency said its Committee for Medicinal Products for Human Use could not identify additional measures that would reduce the cardiovascular risk from Avandia. The agency said the committee therefore concluded that the benefits of rosiglitazone no longer outweigh its risk and recommended the suspension of the marketing authorization of the medicines. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Emerging Drugs and Devices Editor, Tom Moylan. A Texas jury on September 23rd awarded $27.5 million to a widow in an asbestos case while finding John Crane Incorporated 15% liable. LexisNexis Mealy's Asbestos Report Editor, Brian Redding, has that story. The jury's award consists of $7.5 million in compensatory damages and $20 million in exemplary damages. A source told Mealy Publications that the $20 million punitive damages award would be reduced under Texas statute, leaving John Crane liable for approximately $4 million in punitive damages. Texas law provides for a soft cap on punitive damages that limits the maximum award based on the compensatory damages amount. Joan Johnston filed suit against numerous defendants whose conduct allegedly caused her husband Jerry's fatal mesothelioma. Johnston alleged that her husband suffered his exposure while employed as a parts handler at a Dow chemical facility in Freeport, Texas from 1973 to 1981. The jury deliberated for eight hours before returning its verdict. The jury found that John Crane committed gross negligence, that its products were a substantial factor and approximate cause of the decedent's injury and death, and that it failed to warn of the dangers. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Asbestos Editor, Brian Ratting. A New York State appeals court September 21st said hundreds of -of out-of-state residents cannot sue oxycontin maker Purdue Pharma in a New York State court, but conditioned its reversal of a forum nonconvenience ruling on the companies agreeing to be sued in other state courts. 
Personal injury claims involving the narcotic pain drug OxyContin were coordinated in the Richmond County Supreme Court after defendant Purdue Pharma pleaded guilty in 2007 to a federal charge related to the marketing of the drug and announced settlements of civil litigation, more than 1,100 OxyContin suits filed in Richmond County also settled. A second wave of lawsuits was filed, and non-New York residents vastly outnumbered in-state residents. Purdue Pharma moved to dismiss the out-of-state plaintiffs on the basis of forum nonconvenience, and in 2009, the trial court denied that motion. At the time the appeal was taken by the court, there were 246 cases pending in Richmond County Supreme Court from non-residents and 29 from New York State residents. The Second Department Supreme Court Appellate Division said the number of cases has increased, and there are now plaintiffs from 40 states in Puerto Rico. The appeals court concluded that although jurisdictionally sound, the actions brought by the non-residents would be better adjudicated elsewhere. The appeals court said OxyContin was not made in New York, Purdue Pharma's corporate offices are not there, the drug was not purchased in New York or taken there, and the plaintiffs were not treated for their injuries in New York. Purdue Pharma must accept service if the dismissed plaintiffs file a new action in another state. A lawsuit filed in Southern California September 21st alleges Procter & Gamble makes misleading and false representations about digestive care product Align's ability to maintain a healthy and natural digestive system. According to the complaint filed in the Southern District of California, Procter & Gamble advertises Align as having a unique probiotic bacteria that helps restore natural balance to the digestive system. The lawsuit alleges that despite claiming to have clinical proof of these benefits, Procter & Gamble has nothing to support the false and misleading claims, which are reasonably likely to deceive the public. Maryland's High Court September 24th rejected a couple's bid to declare the state cap on non-economic damages unconstitutional. The court found the cap continues to serve a legitimate government purpose. A couple asked the Court of Appeals to take up the issue of the cap's constitutionality in their suit against a pool service company they allege was negligent in maintaining the country club pool where their son drowned when he was five years old. A jury found for the couple, but the wrongful death award was reduced to a total of just over $1 million based on Maryland's statutory cap on non-economic damages. The court said the cap does not violate the right to a jury trial. It also found the couple offered no evidence of a clear error or a change in law or circumstances that would justify disregarding stereodesis and rendering the cap unconstitutional. In a 4-3 decision, a Pennsylvania appeals court September 23rd upheld a trial court ruling that denied summary judgment to the Philadelphia Housing Authority, which was a defendant in an action involving a deadly fire in an apartment complex, agreeing the Housing Authority was not entitled to immunity. The lawsuit was filed on behalf of a man who died in a 2004 three-alarm fire at a 70-unit apartment building for senior citizens owned and operated by the authority. The Philadelphia Fire Marshal determined the cause of the fire was unattended cooking equipment on a gas stove in a man's apartment. Two other building residents also died in the fire. The estate alleged the housing authority was negligent and failed to comply with city fire and building codes. A trial court rejected the Housing Authority's argument that the real estate exception to its sovereign immunity did not apply because the fire was caused by the man who died, not by any defect in the building or the conduct of a Housing Authority employee. The Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court agreed that the dangerous conditions the estate alleged were present at the property fall within the real estate exception to sovereign immunity. It said whether the man's own negligence exceeded the negligence of the Housing Authority 
is also a question for trial and not one properly considered at the summary judgment stage. Pacific Gas and Electric Company was hit with a class action lawsuit in California State Court in mid-September, alleging the utility's negligence led to a September 9th fire and gas explosion in San Bruno, California. The San Mateo County Superior Court complaint claims that on September 9th, an underground gas line running through Glenview Park in San Bruno exploded. That started a blaze that tore through the San Francisco suburb. According to lead plaintiff Steve Dare, residents living near Glenview Park reported the smell of natural gas several weeks before the explosion. Dare claims that as a result of the fire, at least 37 homes have been reported uninhabitable and four people were killed. According to the plaintiff, the fire caused numerous residents in the surrounding area to be evacuated from their homes. Dare maintains that the debris and ash resulting from the fire contains toxins and chemicals that present a significant health and safety hazard. The plaintiff claims PG&E previously tested the 62-year-old gas line and found it to be one of the highest risk lines for failure in its system. According to Dare, the company planned a $5 million project to repair and replace the lines in 2009, but instead spent the money on executive bonuses. Dare claims the accident occurred as a result of PG&E's lack of proper precautions and updates to the aging gas lines. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Lori Siren. Toyota announced September 17th it has agreed to an undisclosed settlement with the relatives of a California state trooper and three family members whose fatal auto accident brought attention to dangerous defects with Toyota and Lexus vehicles. The lawsuit against the automaker and a dealer alleged the Lexus ES350 sedan being driven by off-duty California Highway Patrol Officer Mark Saylor accelerated on its own and sped out of control despite Saylor's attempts to stop it. The plaintiffs brought products liability and negligence claims against the defendants and sought an undisclosed amount of damages. Toyota said in a press release that through mutual respect and cooperation, Toyota and the families involved reached an amicable agreement in mediation that fully resolves the claims without the need for litigation. The settlement does not include negligence claims against the dealership, which had provided the vehicle as a loaner. In a September 24th complaint, the Federal Trade Commission alleges Los Angeles-based Palm Wonderful overhypes the health benefits of its pomegranate products and misrepresents the science behind the claims. The FTC claims Palm Wonderful violates provisions of the Federal Trade Commission Act by deceptively advertising the nutrient content and health benefits of its pomegranate juice. The commission says Palm, through its advertising, has promoted its product as beneficial to the prostate and heart. It claims Palm represents that the benefits are backed by $32 million in medical research involving only the use of Palm's product. FTC Bureau of Consumer Protection Director David Vladek said any consumer who sees Palm Wonderful products as a silver bullet against disease has been misled. Palm recently sued the FTC in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, challenging the agency's new regulations regarding health claims and arguing they infringe on Palm's right to advertise its products. This edition of the LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Community Podcast was written by the editors of LexisNexis Mealies current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Community Podcast, copyright 2010, by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier, Incorporated. Visit all the LexisNexis communities at www.lexisnexis.com slash community. 
LexisNexis, Total Practice Solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.